working on their kids. Um, we were just in the garage, um, mostly in a prayer circle in their garage. And uh, Travis came out to talk to us. And one of the first things he said to us all, he said simply, um, I know you all love Jesus, but there's a lot of people we have to tell about Jesus. And as I reflected on Travis' words, his care and concern for those who don't have their hope, um, it sounded a whole lot like Jesus to me. You remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 9 when he saw those crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You see, the world is full of people who are facing what Travis and Liz are facing this day with absolutely no hope. They're in your neighborhood. They're in our community. They're in our cities. They're in nations where the gospel of Jesus has never been before. In church, we get to bear hope to the hopeless. Um, and as, as we had planned today, um, providentially, in light of what Travis said, you have a card on your chair that's introducing to you something called our Gen 12 offering. This is the second year we've been able to do this because we've paid off our mortgage on all of our facilities and we're debt-free. And rather than keep that money, we decided to do what Genesis 12 says. Genesis 12 says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. We are blessed um, to be a blessing. And so we've decided to take the monies that we were giving to pay a mortgage and give them away to help people with no hope find hope in Christ. And um, each year we gather um, extra gifts from our congregation, these kinds of pledges for the coming year, and they go to beautiful, to fund beautiful ministries that we otherwise would not be able to, to encourage and support. And this year we have um, kind of three buckets where those ministry, ministry gifts are going to go. There's an international focus, there's a national focus, and then there's a local focus. And... Um, those three things really correspond with the, the heart of who we are as a church family. We send missionaries. We plant churches. We love neighbors. And, and that's, that's what we're going to be about this year as we, we re-engage the essence and the core of who we are. And so I've asked three of our leaders to come and share their passion with you this morning about why each one of those focus matter for next year in terms of where your gifts are gonna go. And so Shanna Heath, who has extensive experience internationally, will share about the international focus. Noah Joyner oversees our church planting here at Northwake. He'll share about that national piece. And then Jake Mason is gonna sh share about uh, reaching out to our neighbors. And he and Shelley have been doing that beautifully and they wanna fan the flames in all of our lives this morning. So uh, be encouraged, church, as you hear from our leaders. Shanna, would you come?
Good morning, my name is Shanna Heath and I serve on staff here as the Director of Children's Ministries, but I also get to serve as support to our far-flung family all over the world. And I was one of those for about 10 years. In 2002, I moved to Southeast Asia, spent two years there amongst an unreached Muslim people group. And I came back to the U.S., to North Carolina, and became a part of North Wake Church. And in 2009, you guys sent me to Central Asia, to another unreached people group, um, where I spent about eight years before the Lord brought me back to the U.S. Um, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us the command to go to go into all the nations, making disciples, teaching them to obey the commands of Jesus. And he couched that with the promise that he was with us to the end of the age. And in Revelation, we catch a glimpse of the end of the age where peoples and tribes and nations, all the peoples and tribes and nations are represented before the throne of God, worshiping him. So we live between that command and the promise of what God will do. Um, We hope for that day especially in times of brokenness and pain and suffering. We long for that day. North Wake is a sending church. Um, And the way we get to send a lot of our people is through the IMB. And the IMB was formed about 175 years ago when like-minded churches banded together for the purpose of sending missionaries all to the farthest reaches of the globe, going where one church alone could not send their people, but together we could. Um, So every year they take up the Lottie Moon, what most of the world knows is the Christmas offering. We call it like the Valentine's Day offering because we're weird. We take it up in February usually. Um, But the Lottie Moon offering, which goes fully to support 100% salaries, plane tickets, insurance, and all the things that are needed by our people that we send out. And I can tell you it is a great um, encouragement knowing when we get on that plane to go that that is the one thing we don't have to worry about, that when we get there, we're going to be dropped and we're not going to have any support. So about right now, one of our single ladies um, is landing in South Asia, and she was able to leave yesterday knowing she had all the support she needed because she doesn't know what she's going to find when she lands there today. Um, But she will be supported in every way that she needs because we give. And the task is still overwhelming. 3,000 people groups in the world are considered UUPGs, unreached, unengaged, which means millions and perhaps billions of people on the globe have never had the opportunity to hear about the one who loves them. And I know, I've seen it, they feel the weight and the shame of their sin, and they don't know what to do with it. And as of yet, no one has gone to tell them about the gospel that God has sent his son to take away our shame and our guilt so that we can be with him forever. They've never heard. So that's why we sin and that's why we go. A few years ago, I got to travel um, to one of the stands and we, it was about a six hour journey into the um, the mountains and we drove until we couldn't drive anymore and we stopped, that's where the road stopped, and entered into a village of one of these UUPGs But in the months previous, the first believer had chosen to follow Jesus. And we were going to worship with him and try to teach him the commands of Jesus. We were also delivering school supplies because his wife was opening the first school they'd ever had in their village to teach the little ones. They're shepherds, so they literally slaughtered their fatted goat for us. Poor people, but they gave all they had so that we could have food to eat. So that night, we ate goat. The next morning, we ate refried goat because that is all they had, and we did it with joy. But that night, we also gathered around the table and in their small one room, and we worshiped Jesus together. 
the man had chosen to follow Jesus, but as at that point, his wife and his kids had not. And a spiritual battle rages across this world. And that night we watched, and he had told us that every time since he had become a believer, his wife had started battling with crazy physical symptoms. And every time we would start worshiping or praying, her head would start hurting. She would hold her head in her hands, and she would start shaking, physically affected with the battle that was raging in that room. And it was palpable. We could feel it. And we laid hands on her. We prayed. Um... I'm still waiting to know if she followed Jesus. We don't know, but one day I'll know. And I trust that she's going to be there along with her husband and their kids because that's how the gospel goes. It spreads. It starts with one, and the darkness is pushed away by the light of Christ in us. And we are ascending church. So Rob and I guesstimated we've sent maybe 90 units, that's families or singles, um, over the past 20 years. A lot of them with the IMB. Um, talked with the IMB, and it takes about $100,000 to get someone from here to wherever they're going. That's training, insurance, preparing them. And it takes about fifty to 60000 to keep them on the field. So I did the math. We're talking 9 to $10 million just from our church that we did not have to fully support because of the IMB. But we definitely want to do our part. We currently have 16 units on the field through the IMB. So, you know, we're talking one to two million just to keep them on the field this year. And so as a part of Gen 12 in the following year, we want to do our part in Lottie Moon. We want to make it the year that we give as much as we possibly can to help support our families. We send them. We pray for them. We help pay for it. And sometimes we get to go. And I know there are people in this room that we'll get, we'll get to send out. And we do that with the hope of one great day when we will all join back together and worship God as he is worthy. Thanks, Shannon. Uh, my name is Noah Joyner, and I do have the privilege of <clears throat> overseeing our church planning efforts here at North Wake. And, um, as we gather together this morning, we gather because Christ is worthy. He, he's worthy in, in, our, in our good days, he's worthy on our best days, and he's worthy on our darkest days. We know that, we embrace that, we're, we're strengthened by that. But we know that there's lots of people who don't face their suffering that way. They don't have the hope that we have, and, and that's why we plant churches, because Christ is worthy of it. He's worthy of that worship. But also, there are people that need to know that he is worthy and that he loves them, he, he cares for them, and he sees them in their suffering. And so, to that end, we've planted, over the last 10, church, 10 years, we've been able to plant uh, six churches in, in various different places, places like Tampa, uh, Washington, D.C., Raleigh, uh, Rollsville, Southern Virginia, Portland. Um, and we can say with all confidence that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have been able to hear the gospel from the mouth of a caring person because of that work. People that wouldn't have otherwise heard the gospel have been able to hear because of the folks who are willing to go and to start new works there. And so uh, we're excited 
to be able to do more of that. And so we have four churches that we're going to be uh, continuing to invest in this year. A couple of them are kind of newer projects. A handful of them are are newer projects. And we're super excited to let you know about those. One of them um, is a couple that we sent out of North Wake last summer. Uh, the Holloways, uh, Brad and Jaylee Holloway, and uh, their pile of kids, we were able to send them to, to Denver. And Denver, by some estimation, some people call it the loneliest city in America. And so in a, in a season like this where people get a bit lonelier, I'm really glad that the loneliest city in America has the friendliest people from Wake Forest. Uh, if you know Brad and Jaylee, you know that people are going to hear the gospel. Jaylee's actually working at a pottery store, not only because she loves pottery, uh, but because she wants to share the hope of the gospel with the people that work there. And she's been able to do, to do that. A couple of years ago, I was able to go with Brad and Jaylee to uh, a little place called Castle Rock. It's right outside of Denver, kind of a bedroom community there. And uh, while we were there, we were actually there to visit uh, uh, Brad's cousin just say hi to him but while we were there we figured we'd get some pizza so we go to a pizza joint and uh, between the three of us we struck up a conversation with the waitress and so uh, we chatted with her some as she served us and as the night went on people kind of cleared out and we hung out late and I uh, chatted with her and the bartender and explained to them the hope of the gospel that even though they had suffering even though they were confused about what was going on why they existed We told them them there's hope. We introduced them to Jesus in some new and important ways. And though they didn't come to Christ that day, it really was a solidifying moment for the Holloways to see this place needs the light of Christ. And so they've moved their family there. Uh, They've been there for about a year. They've been gathering uh, in Castle Rock. And uh, Castle Rock actually had a small group that was meeting there and praying for a church planter to come and lead them. And so... uh, through the, the work of what we've done here at Northway through church planning and your generosity, we've been able to meet that desire. Uh, secondly, I want to let you know about uh, a little church uh, developing in uh, the outskirts of Richmond. Uh, Jacob Jackson and his wife, Vickery. Uh, Jacob uh, worked here at Northwake for a season serving our middle schoolers. And if you know Jacob, you know he's a, a gospel grenade. He kind of like roams around waiting to explode good, wonderful Uh, great news in people's direction. And so uh, he's doing that uh, wherever he goes. And one way he was able to do that just recently was uh, there was a couple uh, coming to their uh, small group and uh, they weren't married yet and they had just started dating. And so they asked him if he could do their premarital counseling. He said, sure, I'd love to do that. And so in the first meeting, he wanted to make sure that both of them understood how much God loved them, who Jesus was and what he had done. So he shared the gospel with them. He's, you know, writing out the three circles and explaining the gospel. And he was able to ask the young lady that was there, have you ever trusted this message? And she said, no. And so he invited her to trust. And that day in his living room, she gave her life to Jesus. Those types of things don't happen without the effort of sending and investing and sustaining people to do that work. And so we can say wholeheartedly, uh, that God is working, he's moving in that work. Uh, Thirdly, uh, there's a small church just starting in Provo, Utah called Mosaic Church. Uh, Ben and Lindsay Neiser have been working out there for about six years. And uh, they've been doing this amazing thing where they they gather Mormon students on the campus of Brigham Young University there in Provo, about 31,000 students there. And so they gather students together to talk about Jesus in the Bible. And for Mormons, this is really, really abnormal. So they've done that for about six years. And over the last year, they've been able to take people from that gathering on campus who've been converted and then put them together and to gather as a church with other believers. This is unheard of in places like Provo in places like Utah. 
this doesn't happen. And so God is really, really blessing this work. They're gathering about 25 people. Uh, most of those are kind of their core group. But they also have a handful of people who don't know Jesus yet that are coming because they want to hear more. This, uh, if you know anything about ministry to Mormons, this is, uh, this is massive. And so pr- please, please pray for them uh, in that work that they're doing. And, and lastly, I wanted to let you know about a, uh, a granddaughter church. So uh, our church is the mother. Uh, we've sent out other daughter churches, and one of those daughter churches has had a child. And so um, that church is called uh, Sublime Grace uh, Bible Church. And so they're actually a Spanish-speaking church inside the Beltway in D.C. And so what do grandparents do with their grandchildren? They spoil them. So our goal is to bless them. We want to bless them uh, with our prayers. We want to bless them with financial investment. Uh, you know, when we sent out Restoration Church 11 years ago, one of the major things that they had on their hearts was to plant other churches. And so to see this really necessary work of a, a gospel-focused church among Spanish speakers inside the Beltway in D.C. is massive. And so uh, God has blessed that. And so I want to invite you, uh, over the next year, would you, with your prayers and, and the the finances, the resources, and the gifts that God has given you, would you join me in blessing and investing in these churches? Jake? I have the privilege of uh, talking about that third bucket, this thing we're calling neighbor-to-neighbor generosity or caring or neighbor-to-neighbor pledges. And there's a passage that rings in my ear as I think about caring for the tangible physical needs of the people around me. And it's James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, which reads, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This passage makes it strikingly and shockingly clear that it is not enough to talk a good faith game. No, you see, our professed faith must be accompanied by practiced faith. I'll say that again. Our professed faith must be accompanied by practiced faith. As the old adage goes, which I think is very helpful in this particular area this morning, we must put our money where our mouth is. Isn't this what the inspired author James is really telling us here? That if we have faith, true faith, faith that results in us actually following Jesus, then we will have compassion on the physical needs of others just like Jesus did. Because you see, Jesus' compassion always led him to take action. Jesus met the physical and tangible needs of others when he fed massive numbers of people. When he cast out evil spirits who were causing physical harm to others. When he calmed dangerous storms. When he healed fevers and skin diseases and blindness and muteness and uncontrollable bleeding and withered hands and dismembered ears and paralysis and even raising people from their deathbeds. 
Now, no doubt, Jesus' primary reason for coming was to save people from sin. But his compassion also led him to tangibly help people living in our sin-affected world. And this is why James warns us against apathy towards those who are experiencing the effects of sin. So instead of simply saying something nice, like, I'll be praying for you about that situation, we should actually help if we can. Who knows, we may be God's answer to those prayers. So this is why we have decided to make neighbor-to-neighbor giving part of our Gen 12 pledges this upcoming year. By setting aside above and beyond our regular offerings, monies to tangibly meet the needs of others that we may come in contact with personally. These will be monies that you will set aside to give to people that you meet who are in need of financial help as you share the gospel with them. These monies will be pledged to the church, but not given to the church Instead, you will give them directly to those whom you come in contact with, whom you share with, and they share a tangible need with you that you financially meet. Think about this. This year, our theme was Engage, where we were loving our neighbors in our community with compassion and hospitality and taking the risk of speaking to them of Christ. And even though COVID put speed bumps in this pursuit... The mission is still the same. And as you are engaging your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers in gospel conversations, you are guaranteed to hear of the brokenness that they are experiencing. Each of you will become uniquely aware of specific needs of the people you are engaging. And we want you to commit to meet those needs directly when they arise. Some of the issues that you are bound to encounter as you engage your community will be things like unemployment or job loss, domestic violence, addiction, single parenting, homelessness, those living below the poverty line, abortion-minded women, needs for fostering and adoption. And these are just a few of the things that came to my mind as I was thinking about this. And you will know of many others Because you are perfectly positioned by God in relationships with others who will share their needs with you that they will not share with anyone else. Now, to to be clear, what we are encouraging here is not necessarily giving to organizations, but to individuals directly that you meet and find out that they are going through a really tough time. Obviously, we support giving to organizations like Human Coalition, but what we are talking about here is giving directly to the individuals that you have or will have as you build relationships with others. And as you engage your community with the gospel message, you will hear their stories of brokenness. And as you hear these stories of brokenness, the compassion of Christ will lead you to meet their tangible needs. Because church, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? I'll share a 
quick story that will hopefully encourage you in this area. My wife is a much more generous person than I am. She is the giver, and I am the recovering accountant. So I'm taking Shelly and one of her good friends, Heather Cantalupe, to a Garth Brooks concert. Yeah, I might be the recovering accountant, but she's the redneck in the family. Well, we pull over for gas, and a homeless man walks up to us and asks for money. And well, right away, the skeptical accountant kicks in, and I say, no. And Shelly quickly pulls me aside and says, Jake, we have so much. Give him something. And my justified response was, babe, he'll just spend it on alcohol or drugs. She said, okay, but it's going to get really cold tonight. There's a cold front coming through. Can we at least put him up in a room for the night? So if I would have just given him cash, I probably would have been out for about five bucks. Now I'm putting up hotel-type money here. But you see, Shelley's compassion was moving her to take action. And not only moving her, her compassion was now moving me to take action. So we asked him if we could put him up in a room for the night. We went across the street to the motel. We paid for his room. We, we spoke with him for a while, and then we left. You see, my wife stewarded the financial resources that God had entrusted us to help this individual that God brought into our life by meeting his tangible and physical needs. And so, church, we want to multiply this times our 500 members. We want to do this consistently and generously as you meet people and you hear their stories and you share your story and you share the gospel with them and you hear their needs and then you meet them as God provides. So church, let's take some hope to the hopeless, okay? The hope of Christ to people who are, who are without it, okay? Um, and the card that you got explains one way that we're going to do that. We're not going to, you're not going to fill these out today. You're not going to be required to turn them out in today. We'll be collecting these on December 13th. We wanted you to have these and have some time to think and pray about what can I do, God? How can I be part of this? And so as Shanna said, um, we're going to give a bunch of money to Lottie Moon offering for international missions. Um, this is not instead of the offering we'll take at our intermissions conference in, in February. It's not instead of the monies that will go at the auction, the wild auction that goes on on that night. The monies go to Lottie Moon. This is on top of those monies. Our hope is that we will give the biggest Lottie Moon offering that the, in the history of this church this year as we pile our pledges on top of that annual offering at Intermissions Conference. Um, these church plants are all in critical stages. They're just launching. They're about to launch. They're engaging in critical ministries. We, we really want to bless them. What well, you notice on the card, it says a Gen 12 core pledge any monies you pledge and then give monies to the church earmarked for Gen 12 will go to those two causes, the Lottie Moon offering and these four church plants. All of it will go there. Every penny will go there. 
But there's another pledge on there called the Neighbor to Neighbor Pledge. Okay. We do not want you to give that money to the church. We want you to keep it in your pocket. And when you, when you meet somebody who's in need, you speak of the love of Christ to them and then you show the love of Christ to them, right? So if you were going to give $1,000 next year to our Gen 12 offering, which would be awesome, maybe you'd get $700 as a core pledge and you'll keep $300 in your pocket for neighbors and coworkers and people you just meet at intersections or in stores who are in need and you can speak and show the love of Christ to. And we'll be talking more about this in the weeks to come. You'll receive more information. But right now, we'd like to give you just a few minutes. Um, and we'll collect those that on the 13th of December. Just take a few minutes to quietly pray before the Lord and just say, Lord, what, what can I do? How could you use me? What sacrifices might our family make so we can bring hope to the hopeless? So take just a few moments if you want to quietly talk and pray as a family, that's great. Or just quietly pray personally, that, that's what this time is for. And then we'll close our time together in worship of the one who gives us hope. Okay, Church, let's, let's pray along the lines of what the Apostle Paul exhorted us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Let's pray.